Good morning. Sounds like I'm a teacher at a classroom. Now, over the next couple of Sundays, we are into the next stage of this 40 Days in the Word series, uh, and we're looking at uh, how the, how the Bible changes us. We started off the 40 Days in the Word series looking at how we know for certain that the Bible is God's Word. Dave took us through the first couple of weeks telling us that it's not just an ordinary book. It's not just a book that speaks about the history of the nation of Israel. And I enjoyed the point about science that as technology evolves, science changes its opinion on things. When he spoke about the earth being flat and when science believed that earth was held up by four elephants or something like that. Yet God's word never changes because it is the truth. And thousands of years ago when people were believing those things, God's word speaks of the earth as a sphere and held up by nothing. But of course God knows those things because he is the one who designed them. He's the one who spoke them into existence, who created them. We can be certain that the Bible is God's word because it is Theognustus, which is, Paul says in 2 Timothy, God breathed. It's not human ideas. It's not pop psychology. But it's the word of God. The Bible is unlike any other book. I've heard people say that there are millions of good books to read. Um, I've never been a good reader. I've generally waited for the movie to come out. Um, In the movie, of course, you can doze in and out. Uh, If you've ever seen Memoirs of a Geisha, I'm not sure if that was a book but I'll never forget falling. I think I went for about four hours at the movies. I think we were just dating at the time, Rachel and I. uh, I remember I must have fell asleep for about two hours and I still (laughs) watched about two hours of the movie. But if you get a book, I I, I mean I'm not really speaking with much experience but I think if you get a book you can't really doze in and out. Like You can't just be reading the man was in the... uh, well, it doesn't happen. Like, you know, you can do that in the movie. You sort of doze in and out, and during a cricket session, you can doze in and out, and you doze off for 15 minutes. 15 minutes later, Australia all out. It's, that's the sort of thing that happens. But you know, you get a book, and not only that, I just find it really hard to read. But look, I'm, I want to encourage you to read because I'm sure it's good. I'm sure it makes you smart or something. That's why I am the way I am. But I guess the Bible is one of the only books I read consistently. And maybe that's a good starting point. That's a good one. But this book is unlike any other book because it has power. It has a power like any other self-help book or any other book has. It has a power to change. Because it's the word of God and God's words are powerful. God's word is powerful. In fact, the Bible says the entire universe was created by God that he spoke it into existence. 
and you only have to look around to see God's creation and know of his power. God is almighty, he is all powerful. This is the God that we worship this morning, who we turn to when things get scary. who some days we struggle to find time to spend with him. He is awesome and powerful beyond our imagination. Let's get a glimpse of that in Psalm 147, verse 4 and 5. I will have some verses up on the screen. Some of you will need to have your Bibles ready to turn to. Psalm 147, 4 and 5 says this, He counts the stars and calls them all by name. How great is our Lord! His power is absolute. His understanding is beyond comprehension. Not just this verse, but there's going to be a couple of other verses that really go well with our service. It's funny how God does these little things just to remind us of how awesome he is, isn't it? But we're looking at things like this this morning. A conservative guess of how many stars there are is around 100 billion. I, I don't understand that number but that's the number that they've sort of come up with. A conservative guess around 100 billion. And that number is just so big that you must be thinking the universe is huge. But that conservative guess is a guess of the stars within the little galaxy that we find ourselves in the Milky Way. And we're a speck on earth which is a speck in the Milky Way and we're conservatively guessing 100 billion stars in this one galaxy. And then they go on to say that there's a conservative guess of another 100 billion galaxies. That is mind-blowing, isn't it? That God is so big. And just to try to fathom that number of all the stars, the scriptures tell us he not only knows them by number but he knows them by name, his creation. And at his word it happens. His word is powerful. Things don't just happen out of nothing. You know there's a cause and effect. We all sort of know that phrase. There's a cause and effect. A number of weeks ago and I've shared and most of you know now that you know, we had this hot water pipe burst at work up on level five and it caused this huge volume of water to come down to level one on top of the kitchen and flood the place and the effect that that had was a bunch of wet chefs (laughs) and a flooded kitchen, a write-off. Just last week Rachel was on her way to, just in Eltham on Bolton Street down the end there near the chicken shop on her way to Baldwin to take Mackenzie to school and head off to work with Ava. And someone came up and hid her behind in the car. You know, it wasn't a massive accident, but 
the cause really in that instance was this lady who should have put a foot on the brake instead of the accelerator. <coughs> the effect it had was fortunately Rachel and the girls are fine um, but there's a happy panel beater in Diamond Creek. <laughs> it's going to do a job for us. The sun and the moon and the stars and the animals and the trees and you and I are an effect of a cause which is the words of God. He spoke and things were created. When Jesus was walking on the planet 2,000 years ago, he performed many miracles. Some were witnessed by two or three. Some, the Bible says, multitudes. We can presume thousands. And at the word of Jesus, people were healed. At the words of Jesus, people were raised from the dead. This, this is power. I'm just scratching the surface but this is the power of God's word. Hebrews 4.12 says the word of God is living and active. The word of God is alive. It is living and active. Living comes from this word Greek word zeo, which we get the word zoo from, zoology. It means to live, life. It means to live. The word of God is living. They're not just words on a page. They are words that bring life. And they are active. The Greek word is energos, which we get energy from. It has power. These words have power, energy. They have power to change. You and I. It goes on. It is sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Sharper than any surgeon's scalpel. The word of God has the ability to cut right to the heart of the issue. The work of God's Holy Spirit has the power to come into your life and to show you where you are going wrong, where you're falling short of God's glory. Convict you of sin in your life and challenge you to be changed. Uh, most of you know Colin Minard, more affectionately known as Mosh. Some of you have not known him for a very long time. I've known him for a a long time too through church and, and now through gym and uh, he has a, a little gym set up in his garage as some of you will know and um, he does all sorts of things a fantastic thing he does is praise pump on a Tuesday night worship music working out with to worship music it's a fantastic ministry and Mosh, if you're listening, some free sessions uh, over the next few weeks. 
<coughs> but as you walk into his gym um, at the back, and those who have been there have probably seen it, he has this thing up on the mirror, a saying, and I'm sure it's not his saying, but he's got it up there. It says, if it doesn't challenge you, it won't change you. If it doesn't challenge you, it won't change you. You know, if you're not prepared to go through the, the pain and the hard work of, of push-ups and, and, and weights and planking, nothing's going to change if you just sit in the corner and watch. D.L. Moody was a famous pastor in Chicago over a hundred years ago and he said this, the Bible was not given to increase our knowledge. The Bible was given to change our lives. Now, you're probably wondering when are we going to start with these seven points that we get every topic. Well, we're going to start now. Um, I'm not going to get, obviously getting through a couple today and we'll push on into next week. But we want to look at I wanted to look at that first bit about God's power because that God's word is powerful and we're talking about God's word bringing change in our life. How does God's word change me? So it's important to understand that God's word is powerful. I thought that because it's only going to change me when we understand that and then we spend time in it. How does God's word change me? The first way that God's word changes me is it recreates my life. What does that mean, it recreates my life? It means that when my life is falling apart, when I realise I have no real purpose in life, God comes in and recreates my life. He gives a new life when I accept Jesus as Saviour not just a turning over of a new leaf, not just, not that, but it's, it's, it's a new beginning. It's what the Bible calls being born again and it's actually that dramatic, a new life. If you've ever been in the birthing, uh, whatever you call it, a suite or where they, yeah, suite, uh, giving birth, it's, Dramatic. Even the ones that are, go well <laughs> seem to be dramatic. James 1.18 says, He chose to give us birth through the word of truth. Notice that it's, it is spiritual birth, salvation comes from the word of truth. Paul told, in Timothy in 2 Timothy 3.15 from a child you have known the holy scriptures which are able to make you wise unto salvation. So it's this book, God's word that shows us the way to salvation, the way to heaven, the way to know him personally. Without the word of God we wouldn't know about heaven, we wouldn't know how to be saved. We wouldn't know about the stories of Jesus Christ dying on the cross for our sins without his word. We wouldn't know about God's plan 
and purpose to change us, to come into our lives and to make us Christ-like, changing us day by day, moment by moment, to be like him. God is not silent. God has chosen to reveal himself because he wants us to know him. God knows everything about you He knows everything about you. He knows every star by name. He knows how many there are. How much more precious are you in his eyes? Created in his image. We read from Psalm 139 earlier. If you turn to that again. Um, if you want to just listen, that's cool. Psalm 139, 17, a bit later on, a bit down from where I think we read up to verse 10. It's a really good psalm. Psalm 139, 17 says, How precious are your thoughts about me, O God. They cannot be numbered. I'm going to read that again. That's cool, isn't it? How precious... Are your thoughts about me, O God? They cannot be numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand. And when I wake up, you are still with me. You know, every day I tell my daughters that I love them. And recently Mackenzie's in this stage where her response now is, is constantly, I love you more, Daddy. I love you more. And even though I go through every day always thinking about where they are and how are they feeling, you know, what circumstances are they dealing with? What's going on in their life at school and childcare and ballet? Parties. And I reckon there's no one else in the world who loves those two kids more than me. But the, the amount of thoughts that I have for them isn't even in the same ballpark figure than what God has for them and what God has for you and for me. And no matter what the created beings may be saying to you at work and school and home, no matter what thoughts people are having about you, the Creator loves you. The Creator has precious thoughts about you more than you can imagine, more than you can know, more than you can count. The Bible is often compared to a seed, a seed planted in your life and once it takes root in your heart, 
it grows and bears fruit and produces change, change for good. In 1 Peter 1, 23, it says, You have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable. In other words, eternal. Through the living and enduring word of God. Living and enduring. God's word is alive. The living and enduring word of God. James says, humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you. So God's word can change us by recreating our life. Being born again, salvation. God's powerful word shows us that we can be changed, that we can be born again. The second thing that God's word can change in us is it eradicates my guilt. This is a big one. That I don't have any guilt in my life anymore. I don't have to live with the regrets of the past, with the shame of where I've been and what I've done. Most people are stuck with memories of the past that are hard to forget, hard to get over, people that have hurt, circumstances that can't be changed. There may be resentment, there may be guilt. God doesn't want us going through life carrying baggage of guilt in our life. God wants us to be free from guilt and his Bible shows us that we can become guilt free. God uses his word to eradicate guilt. 1 John 1.9 says if we confess our sins to God he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all wickedness. I want to read a couple of stories in John 8, if you turn to it. John 8, verse 3. You'll know the story well. John 8, verse 3. As Jesus was speaking to the teachers, of the religious law and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery and they put her in front of the crowd. Teacher, they said to Jesus. This woman was caught in the act of adultery. The law of Moses says to stone her. What do you say? They were trying to trap him into saying something they could use against him but Jesus stooped down and wrote in the dust with his finger. They kept demanding an answer so he stood up again and said, all right, but let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. Then he stooped down again and wrote in the dust. When the accusers heard this, they slipped away one by one, beginning with the oldest until only Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with the woman. 
And Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, Where are your accusers? Did even one of them condemn you? No, Lord, she said. And Jesus said, Neither do I. Go and sin no more. And just across in Luke 8, Luke chapter 8. Luke chapter 8 verse 43. Luke 8.43 A woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding and she could find no cure. Coming up behind Jesus, she touched the fringe of his robe. Immediately the bleeding stopped. Who touched me? Jesus asked. Everyone denied it and Peter said, Master, this whole crowd is pressing up against you. But Jesus said, Someone deliberately touched me for I felt healing power go out from me. And when the woman realised that she could not stay hidden, she began to tremble and fell to her knees before him. The the whole crowd heard her explain why she had touched him and that she had been immediately healed. Daughter, he said to her, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Friends, you know, there's no guilt at the foot of the cross. When you come with an attitude of repentance for your sins, there's no guilt. There's no baggage of guilt at the cross. Just forgiveness and peace. You never leave an encounter with the living God with guilt you only leave with peace and forgiveness. There's a promise in Romans 8, verse 1, and it says, There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. All the things you've done wrong in your life, past, present, and future, God isn't going to punish you for. Even though the penalty for your sin is death, God's gift for you is Jesus who died on the cross and paid the penalty. No condemnation, no guilt, Just forgiveness and grace and peace. This promise is such a guilt eliminator, eradicator. I will say this though, that there is a time when the Holy Spirit will make you aware and there will be a guilty conscience. But the purpose of that is only to bring you to your knees before him in in confessing your sin to him. And at that time, that guilt is gone and forgiveness and fellowship is restored. The Bible is given to cleanse our lives from guilt. 
not all the problems that we face in life. Well, not that the problems that we face in life are not necessarily a result from sin. Sure, there are consequences of sin, physical consequences that we must deal with. But God doesn't pay you back for your sins past as you go and live in the future. He doesn't go on heaping guilt upon you as you go on living for what you've done to him in the past. If that was the case, the Apostle Paul would have lived in absolute sadness and guilt for the rest of his life. A man who beat up and murdered Christians. But his ministry and the things that he suffered in ministry was never thought of anything like payback from God for what he had done. Philippians 4 verses 10 to 13 Paul writes this, I praise the Lord that you are concerned about me again. I know you have always been concerned for me but you didn't have the chance to help me. Not that I was ever in need for I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it's with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Paul recognised his sin and his need for repentance. He actually states that he is the worst of sinners. But it's not about his past sins, it's about trusting God in the circumstances now on, whether they are difficult for now or whether they are having everything. We're all in the same position to trust God in the circumstances that we find ourselves in. But Paul knew that he walked in forgiveness and peace that only comes through believing in Jesus Christ as your Saviour. Do you personally know and have experienced God's forgiveness and God's peace that comes through accepting Jesus as your Saviour? Are you living with guilt? Perhaps that just needs to come back. You need to come to God with it and say, I need to eradicate this guilt. I need to get rid of it. Thank you for what you've done for me on the cross. It's, maybe it's time to confess something in your life to him. We worship an awesome God a powerful God whose word is powerful to recreate our life, eradicate guilt. Will you bow your heads with me and close your eyes?
And I'll just give you a moment today to think over these words that have been brought to us today. And I don't know what the Holy Spirit is challenging you with or is prodding you to do. But I know for me this week it's cut me up. Made me come back to the cross and realise that Jesus wants us to live with freedom, not with guilt and go with his forgiveness and peace to be a changed people. To read his word constantly, to dwell on it and allow it its power to change me. And I'll give you that opportunity that I had during the week just to spend a moment with him and bring something to him that perhaps you need to do today. God, all-powerful creator God. We fall on our knees and humbly proclaim you are amazing. Spoke and things were created. Jesus spoke and people were brought back to life. And Lord, for those here who belong to you, you have given us new life to know you, to be born again, to be a changed people, free of guilt, in the world to make a difference, to bring glory to you, to bring people to you, to know you. Lord, may we not just take this book which is so powerful your word and just place it on the shelf but would we immerse ourselves in it and and, and continue to read it and study it and dwell on it that we can be a changed people. In Jesus' name and for his glory we pray these things. Amen.